Today, we have Josiah Egono on our podcast. Josiah was a previous college athlete, former strength coach for GCU and the Texas Rangers, a performance psychology professional, and author of a new book we're going to unpack on today's podcast episode called Own the Pieces. Whether you're an athlete or not, we discuss the mental toughness, how to reframe circumstances in your life, and how to tackle the tricky triad that will help in so many areas of your life. Listen now. Josiah Igono, welcome back to No Gray Areas. You know, you you have the pedigree to, to be one of our few that are back a second time. So you actually came on our show. Yeah. Uh, you were actually one of our first guests like over two years ago, but we had to have you back on because <laughs> you came out with the book, Own the Pieces. And uh, right. we're going to do a giveaway with this book uh, oh, nice. next week after this thing uh, drops. But I, I wanted you to unpack a little bit about that book. Great book. Yeah. I read it. Own the Pieces. Tell us uh, why you wrote it. Yeah. Well, appreciate you having me on again, man. Thanks for the invite. It's always good hanging out with you, man. Yeah. Um, well, can I interrupt though really yeah, quick absolutely. and just say, I I'm going to ask you to bring a little more energy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Anybody that knows you, that's uh, the thing I love about yeah, just you. Give, just give me a second, man. I'm getting warmed up right now. Yeah. I'm getting warmed up. No, that's what I love about you. Every time I leave a conversation with you, I'm like, I don't care what it is. If I'm going to go eat, I'm like, oh, I'm ready to eat, man. I mean, you just fire people oh, up. Oh, so man. Appreciate I appreciate you. it. All right. So- yeah. Own the Pieces. Yeah, Own the Pieces, man. Own the Pieces was a book that's written to athletes about mental performance. Yeah. And it, it, even though it's written to athletes, I believe that any high performer, anybody who wants to get better, um, is going to take something from it. You know, when you look at the world of sport and performance psychology, mm -hmm. sometimes it's ominous, it's misunderstood. I remember even on the way up here, I was thinking, man, I was like, yo, you know, when I was growing up as an athlete, the only mental performance, mental skills training that I had was reading my Bible. Right. Yeah. Visualizing and just like, you know, uh, uh, studying my playbook. Yeah, that was it. There was no like, you know, there no, was no totally right. There's there's no like, oh, OK, let me let me talk about let me let me think about perfectionism and and confidence. And like like that wasn't a thing for us. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so and then the other part was the coach yelling during the game going, focus. Yeah. Yeah. Focus. It, and exactly. that was kind of that was the. That was like the end all of of mental health or or mental focus, mental right? toughness, yeah, yeah. all of yeah. it, right? And so so now we have actual words that we have put on it, you know, to describe certain things like perfectionism and confidence and flow states. You know what I'm saying? We have different words, and so the book was written in a way that it's conversational. It's like you and I having a cup of coffee. It's right? exactly what it's like. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So yeah. I have professional athletes reading it. I have seven-year-old, you know, kids who are playing club reading it. Yeah. So yeah. that's how it's written. Very simple and digestible. Well, and I want to tell the audience for sure, because we have a lot of people in the audience that would go, I'm not an athlete or I, yeah. or I was, I'm a have-been athlete. But I'm telling you, this book will help you no matter where you're at in life, like whatever you're doing in life. Mm -hmm. For example, chapter one is focus and performance. Yeah. Now, who among us doesn't have to at times go like, I got to get focused, man. Yeah. I just, I'm, I, my, my, my mind's straying. I'm, you know, I've, I've had to write this email for the last mm -hmm. hour and I can't finish up the e email. So, and you break it down into three steps, that chapter, identify the immediate mission, That's right. kill the noise and execute the mission. Yeah. And I, and I read that and, it, and obviously it's focused toward athletes, but I'm going, man, 
I'm not an athlete anymore, except mm-hmm. when I go to the gym and work out, try to stay healthy and pretend <laughs> I still have it. But I looked at that and I'm going, every area of my life, I, I have to identify the immediate mission. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to kill the noise. That's right. And I want to talk about, about that a little bit, kill the mm-hmm. noise and execute the mission. Mm-hmm. That, so chapter one, right away, anybody who picks up this book, I'm telling you, it'll help you in your personal life. Yeah, I start off the book with focus because if you cannot focus on anything, you cannot do anything for a sustained amount of time. Yeah. So that's why I actually start with focus. Uh, the average individual, there's all kinds of research and, and data out now. The average individual can only focus on an inanimate object for eight seconds before he or she loses focus, right? And it's crazy. And would you say that's gotten worse with our, with our culture and society? Mm-hmm. Because of, um, and I, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, you and I are both on social media, yeah. we leverage social media, so it's not all bad. Yeah. But I wonder if those tools that we have now, as helpful as they can be in mm-hmm. some areas, it certainly seems it's hurting us with our focus. Yeah. Would, you, a, would you agree? A, I would. There's a double-edged sword with focus, right? So a lot of people say, oh, my kid has ADHD or I have ADHD. And that, that's another subject for another podcast for another time. But there's You're a, saying we got to have you on a third time. Oh, my God, man. You, man. The third I'm time, you, you got to pay me for the <laughs> yeah. third time. You know what okay. I'm saying? The first couple, okay. the first two are free. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. No, I'm just kidding. So when you look at, when you look at uh, the, where we are as a society, to your question, it's a double-edged sword. Because not only is there an inability to focus like no other, like no time in his human history, but there's also this welcoming of distractions. Mm-hmm. There's a, we are, as a society, as a world, as a nation, we are welcoming distractions. We got Hulu, we got Voodoo, we got Netflix, we got DirecTV, we got YouTube, we got Twitter, IG, Snap, Instagram, uh, TikTok, we got everything, man. And so we are welcoming. It's all there, in our hand. There's, there, exactly. It's all in our hand. And we have notifications for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's a double-edged sword. We have an inability to focus, yet we welcome distractions. We love it. We love distractions. Yeah. yeah. Do you notice that with athletes? Do you think it's gotten – I mean, because, again, that's always been one of the, the keys to athletic performance, right, is the mental ability to focus, to yeah. be in the flow state. Is it more difficult for them today or is it the same? It's difficult. It's more difficult. Is it? There's more athletes today, especially professional athletes, live in a fishbowl. They are being evaluated. They are being watched 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, oh, right. there goes there goes Messi right there. Where's my cell phone? They're, oh, look at LeBron. There goes Steph Curry. Where's my cell phone? Yeah. Right? Um, it's crazy, man. Like, you know, you go to a World Series, you go to a playoff game, you go to any type of sport uh, – performance of magnitude and everybody's got the cell phone out man yeah we're not even watching the game we're more concerned with capturing a moment to make us look good yeah for social currency you know what's so interesting about that is my wife and i we have a mantra and we started this over 20 years ago but we keep morphing it a little bit because it means something different but we were coming back on a on a road trip and i used to be one of those guys where as soon as i got in the car i wanted the kids to go to sleep I was calculating how many miles, my average speed limit, I was making a goal. I was, I was, always, yeah. so it was just like, I was on a mission mm-hmm. and we, we took an exit, an unexpected exit. Mm-hmm. And we still, it's one of our favorite family memories. So we started saying, man, we got to live in the moment more. We got to start taking the exits in life. But what we meant by living in the moment, taking an exit is part of what you're saying is focusing on that moment, mm-hmm. the, on that, like, like the journey is as important right. as the destination. So you, you in chapter one, you talk a little bit about that. You yeah. talk about like um, um, identifying the immediate mission. That's right. Break that down because I love that part. Right. I'm going, this is again right. for our audience. This applies for all of you. Yeah, for sure. So when you talk to an athlete, 9.99999 times out of 10, 
when you say, hey, what's the immediate mission in today's game? Win the game. Exactly. Yeah. That's the incorrect answer. Yeah. It, the, the immediate mission is never to win. I loved the, when you said that. The yep. ultimate goal is to win, but the immediate mission is what must I do now and what must I do next? Because if I'm a, if I'm a football player, right, I'm, I'm a part of a football team, and it's fourth and one, and we're in the red zone, we're down by two. The immediate mission is to get the first down to give my or to, or, or to get my uh, to get that that ball in position so my field goal kicker can kick the game winning field goal. Yeah. That's the immediate mission. We got we got to move the chains. How does that help someone stay focused rather than so we use again the analogy you're using of an athlete. Yeah. Rather than thinking like my immediate mission is to win the game, but it's to think of this next play that my immediate next mission thing. is next play. How does that help someone with focus? Because what hap- what happens is a lot of times when when we, when we look at focus, we are trying to that's why the 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 adjective, the key descriptor there is immediate. And what happens is many people try to look at the whole thing. How am I going to get this degree? How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to, you know, do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, one, two, three, fill in the blank. And it's just like, no, right here, right now. It's like Moses, right? Man, I it, love it's this. Like, it's like Moses, right? God was just like, hey, man, Moses, um, I, I need you to do something for me, man. I need you to go to Pharaoh. And and Moses was just backpedaling. Ah, oh, no, I can't do that. Yeah, ah, yeah. Nah, nah. I'm not a good no, speaker. I, I'm not a good speaker. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I love what God told him, dude. He goes, hey, Moses, um, what's in your hand right there? He's like, oh, I got this staff. He goes, hey, let me show you something. And we know the story. We know yeah. what happens next. And a lot of times it's just like, dude, what do you, what do you have right there in your hand? What, yeah. what, what is the thing that you have to do right now? Focus on what you can do right now with what you have and do the very best. See, and, and, and Josiah, this is why I love this book so much, and, and I'm going to keep bragging on it, this whole podcast. It, it's applicable to everyone. It's focused on athletic performance. But again, like you're saying, we're both, we're both uh, uh, men of faith. We're both Jesus followers. And I remember years ago when I was in, in high school, and I went to my uh, – uh, he was a mentor of mine. Mm-hmm. And I was overwhelmed with the future, kind of like you're talking about. Yeah. The, my, my, you know, where am I going to go to school? If I pick the wrong school, I'm not going to meet the woman that I'm supposed mm-hmm. to marry. I'm going to miss the whole, you know, I, you know how you go down yeah. that road. And he said, Pat, man, what, what, what is God calling you to do today? Yeah. Immediate. That's, yeah. that's the key. Immediate. You got to be focused on the immediate. So you wrote a book mm-hmm. and you know, uh, I've co-authored a book before mm-hmm. too. And I know you get overwhelmed if you're like going like, oh man, I got to write a book. Yeah. But what you had to do is sit down and go, what am I going to do today? Right now. Like, what am I going to do? Am I going to write yeah. half a chapter, a chapter? Yeah. But that next part then where you talk about kill the noise, yeah. which I think is so important. Yeah. You're talking to athletes about the noise. But again, in our world, in mm-hmm. our culture, in our society, we all have a lot of noise. Yeah. Explain that. Unpack that. Kill it, the noise. Yeah. So kill the noise. The noise is, the, what is noise? Noise is a disturbance. It's static. It's interference. It's something that is, 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 it's an interruption. Right. That's what it is. And usually noise is not pleasant. Noise is not only external, not only the fans and the the, 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 the stuff that's going up, the, the elements, the people, the booze, the jeers, the, the, the temperature. Right. The adverse things that are happening externally, but it's also internal. Right. Like, man, I'm, am I good enough? You know, man, sometimes this is that's the, the loudest noise. Yeah, isn't it? Sometimes that's the loudest noise. Absolutely. Internal. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what the noise is. And so. When you start looking at the noise, right, it's kind of, I call it, I call it multiple channels, channels of communication as an athlete. And you have to figure out, you know, those who are listening, they have to figure out what their channels of communication are. But what I, one of the things I wrote in the book is that for an athlete, there should only be three channels of communication open. The communication between me and my coach 
hey, me and my teammates, hey, man, what'd you see on that last play? Hey, dude, is, he, is, is the fastball, is it firm? Is it moving? Like, hey, man, how does he get out of, in and out of his routes? You know, you know, can you, you know, is she good from the out? You know, is her is her jumper good? Like, mm-hmm. like, what does that look like, right? Mm-hmm. So, communication with my teammates, and then communication with myself, positive self talk, whether that's affirmations, whether that's me praying, whatever the case may be. Those are the only three channels that should be open. And a lot of times, we get into satellite TV mode, right? And we got all the channels. We're flicking through all the channels, seeing what's going on. You ever, and I and I talk about this in the book. You know, when we were kids, it's like you go you go over to your friend's house, and this friend has all the lights on. He's playing PlayStation with you. He's texting. He's on his computer, right? He ha- he's doing all he's doing something on the iPad. He's watching TV on another screen, right? And there are all of these channels of communication open. There's all these can and it's like, dude, it's too much. And when you kill the noise, it gets in killing the noise, you know, it's 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 couched messaging, but that's where all of the mental skills come in. Mm-hmm. Right? The progressive muscle relaxation, the the affirmations, the, the positive self talk, the 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 focal points, right? Um, I think all about, of those things. You know, from that that's in chapter one. The rest of your book has so many of the, and you're the king of acronyms, by the way. There's a lot of acronyms <laughs> in here, but the rest of the book, there's so much of it that is actually helping us figure out. Because you get in chapter three, and you're talking about anxiety and mm-hmm. fear and dealing with that. And a lot of that is coming back to that idea of how you kill the noise, right. right? How you just, those three channels of right. communication. And again, I would encourage our audience, you know, you you gave a great example. If you're a football player, basketball player, these are the three, right? Your coach, mm-hmm. your teammates, yep. and and your self-talk. And your self-talk, yeah. But I encourage our, our, our audience, think about that. If you only had three lines of communication, yeah. what, what what would that be? Yeah. That's a great question for them to wrestle with. And, what if and, you only had one? Oh, you just... You just this just got really deep. You know what I mean? What if you only had one channel of communication? You're you have you're in you're in dire straits and you gotta figure some stuff out. Who are you calling? Mm-hmm. For some people, that's then you know, it's gonna make them sweat. Mm-hmm. For other people, it's like, oh pfft. <laughs> Who are you calling? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's that's why uh when people are in dire straits and you've been there, I've been there. That's why so that's some of the most uh, life transforming moments in our life. Yeah, because you actually you actually get to the point of like who is it? Yeah, who who's the one channel that I need to have open at this time? And hopefully you're you're listening. I, I mean, again, we won't go down this road because this this would get uh, complex. But the problem with some is that they're so confused on who God is, and sometimes confused on. That's why I say go back and read the Bible. Yeah, just spend some time in the Bible and find out because you may have been told you may be listening to a God, and that's actually not the God that. That's right. The, the true God, you know, mm-hmm. the one that's that's got his arms crossed, just looking down and just waiting for you to screw up so he can punish you. That's yeah. that's <laughs> that's not it. So you jump. So I jump into chapter three then, and you mm-hmm. get into the anxiety. And I know this is going to drop after you, but tomorrow while we're sitting in the studio, mm-hmm. you're speaking somewhere, and you're talking about this 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 tricky triad, you call it. Yeah. Fear, anxiety. And stress. And stress. Yeah. Let's land here for a moment because I know for sure there's not a listener that doesn't deal with those. Because we're human. Yeah. Because we live in a and in a culture and a time in human history where there's probably less margin yeah. than ever before. Like you said, you got all these different all this noise going on. Unpack that a little bit, the tricky triad. Yeah. Why do you even call it that? Hey, from your no gray areas team, we just want to say thank you so much for listening. And if you're loving this episode, would you just take a moment and leave us a review? 
rating on whatever platform you're listening from. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on the new podcast episodes that drop every other Wednesday. By leaving a review and subscribing, you help others discover our podcast's inspirational messages to effectuate positive change in their lives. Okay, let's jump back in to this episode. Unpack that a little bit, the tricky triad. Yeah. Why do you even call it that? I call the trick I, I call the tricky triad because obviously there's three things there and many people conflate those terms. They they use them interchangeably. And I think that once you, I'm, I'm big on definitions because if you don't understand definitions and you can't understand concepts, and if you don't understand concepts, it's really hard to talk big picture. So when you start talking about the tricky triad, especially for an athlete or a high level performer, uh, you got to know what's going on. Because if you, if you know what's going on, then you can diagnose it, you can call it out, and then you can solve it, right? Yep. So um, I think, I don't know if it was Einstein or some famous mind said that when you understand the problem, that's half of the battle. Yeah. Just understanding what the problem yeah. is, yeah. right? Getting so to the core issue. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So, do we, so we have to understand what the problem is, right? What is the thing that we're dealing with? So when you look at stress, stress, you know, for all intents and purposes here in this conversation is how much tension something is under. Mm-hmm. That's what stress is, whether it's cognitive stress, whether it's physical stress. It's how much tension something is under. Tension is not necessarily a bad thing. However, tension can also destroy you if you're not if it's too much. Right. So when you look at, you know, um, stress, if I go to the weight room and I stress my bones, my ligaments, my tendons, my muscles get stronger for. Yeah. For a, a certain amount of time. Right. They're going to get stronger. Like anytime a bone bends, osteoblasts are sent out. The bone becomes calcified. It becomes thicker, and that mu- that bone, the, my bone, become thicker, right? And they become ultimately stronger. Stress is not a bad thing. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when you start studying stress, the different types of physiological, psychological stress, you stress, as we know in science, is positive stress. As a matter of fact, any organism, it's arguable that any organism, if it is to grow, it has to be under some type of stress. So that it can grow. That's a great point. Any organism yes. that is going to grow has to be under stress. Very, like that's yep, what they've shown. Yep. It's tension. Yeah. As the child is in the baby, as the child is in its mother's belly, what is it doing over time? It's growing mm-hmm. and it's causing more tension, mm-hmm. causing more stress mm-hmm. for the mother until yeah. that child leaves the womb. Yeah. Right. So anything that, you know, any when you start talking about stress, stress is 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 not necessarily a bad thing. Um, in, in science, we call it eustress. Eustress is, is um, it's positive stress. It's stress that promotes growth. Mm-hmm. Too much stress could crush you yeah. or worse, yeah. right? So stress is not necessarily a bad thing. We, we just need to understand, you know what I'm saying, like what's happening. You know, when you start looking at cognitive stress, right? Um, Dr. Carl Dweck, or, or Dr. Um, Carol Dweck, rather, I'm sorry. Um, she is the... Uh, the 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 founder and she's the one who uh, made the term growth mindset popular. She okay. developed yes. it, right? Um, Dr. Which is a common Dweck. term today. You yeah, hear Dr. That Dr. Carol growth Dweck. mindset. Yeah, she's okay. she's awesome, right? And when in one of the areas that I believe that she studied uh, greatly was the anterior cingulate cortex, which is an area in our brain that's responsible for you know error detection and 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 you know responses and things like that. And when you look at like the little kids, right? Little kids, when they're learning something for the first time, you know, they're in there and they're just, they're gripping that little pen with that pencil, that crayon with their whole yeah, hand, yeah, and they're just yeah. like, ah, you know what I'm saying? Yep. That area. Something that's just so natural for us, but they're working so hard. Exactly. And there's, there's stress there. There's, there's like, there's like cognitive, like, man, I got to figure this out. My kids, when they're doing homework and they're frustrated, 
I, I look at him, I'm like, good. Yeah. Good. That's cognitive stress. That's good. That means the, the neurons are firing. You know what I mean? Synapse, they're firing. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And then you look at something like um, fear. Fear has everything to do with something Which that- is part of this tricky triad, that, right? Yeah, part so of the tricky triad. You talked about stress, now yep. you talk about fear. Yep. Fear has a component of, there's, there's immediate and present danger. Okay. Mm -hmm. The thing about fear, unlike anxiety, which I'm going to talk about here in a second, fear typically. Yeah, I'm interested in this because I think I think even I probably think of fear and anxiety as being the same thing. They're not, a lot, but they're, they're not. not. Okay. Yeah. So so fear. So fear fear there's imminent and immediate danger present, and typically this is the kicker right here. Typically with fear there is a physical object. Okay. With fear, there's a physical I'm object. I'm up hiking and I turn around and look and- a Rattlesnake or yep, a boulder yeah. or okay. a cougar. Yep. Like, dude, that's you better fear. be afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's something that God gave us, right? Yeah. Like, you know, in terms of, you know, having biases and protecting ourselves from danger and, and the, this, that, and the third, right? So when you look at fear, if somebody's, if we're in a crowded place and somebody pulls out a weapon, you're like, hey, everybody hit the ground. Yeah. Dude. That's cause to be afraid. Yeah. Because there's and a that's where we go into the fight, flight, or, or freeze, right? That like one of those. So yeah, sometimes. Yes. Like that's what we're supposed yeah. to. Like that's how, that's how we're wired. Yeah. Because we're in a fearful situation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's danger. There's yeah. danger. If yeah, there's yeah. a 98 mile an hour fastball coming at my head, I'm not gonna sit there and be like, oh, come on, let's go. I'm yeah. gonna duck, dude. Yeah. Because there's immediate danger. Yeah. There's immediate danger, right? And it could harm me or worse. We live in Phoenix, man. There's snakes and scorpions. If I'm, I hate snakes. You know what I mean. I and if a snake jumps out, there's cause to be what afraid because there's a yeah. immediate, present danger. Okay, so okay? fear, immediate, present danger. That's Usually right. with a physical. There's a physical object. Okay, there's a physical that can harm you or yeah. worse. Okay. Anxiety has everything to do with an imminent event, right? Um, that has not happened yet. Okay. There's an there's an there's an event that is forthcoming imagined in our mind that hasn't happened yet. And I remember in chapter three, you really unpacked this in this book as yeah. well. Yes. Uh, if it hasn't happened yet, that mm -hmm. was the, that's the part underline when you get this book audience, yeah. underline circle, highlight that. Yeah. One. Yeah. It hasn't happened. I call it not to be, you know, funny with words, but I call it the fear of a fear that hasn't even happened. The fear, the fear that hasn't, that hasn't even happened yet. <laughs> oh, she might say no. Well, dude, you haven't asked her yet. Yeah. Oh, the plane might go down. It might crash. Dude, you haven't even booked a ticket yet. <laughs> Oh, they might cut me. They might release me for yeah. the team. Yeah. Dude, do you understand that the coach actually likes you and they have plans, long-term plans for you? Yeah. Anxiety is a killer, man. Mm -hmm. Because what it's an imagined event. And the thing about imagine, if you look at the word imagination, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna get into imagination right now, but when you look at imagination, imagination is neat, it's neutral. It's neither positive nor negative, but we can make it positive or we can make it negative. I'm gonna have to ask you a question. What's the difference between anticipation? And anxiety. Oh. Not a trick question. This is just a philosophical discussion. Well, anticipation would I would usually think of that as a positive thing. It's I'm hopeful. I'm 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 anticipating that she's gonna say yes. I'm anticipating that I'm gonna come across the finish line in first place. I'm anticipating that I would usually am I right? I would usually think that is a positive thing. You're you're nail you're nailing it. 
before your um, I'm so glad because I took your test in the beginning of this book and I flunked, <laughs> man. You got to tend it. I, I, uh, I didn't flunk. Yeah, I did yeah, about yeah. like I did yeah. in high school. I think I got a six yeah. or a seven out of ten. Yeah. So I barely, yeah, that's, that's I barely good, passed. Man. That's good. So I passed this yeah, one. Good to good. know. Good to so, know. So anticipation, there's typically like there's there's positive uh feelings and associations, you know, that, that yeah, come yeah, with that, right? Yeah. So on your when you were a kid, the night before your birthday or oh, the night before Christmas. Wait. You can't wait. Right? Anticipation. There's anticipation. But guess what? Has it happened yet? No. No. It's it's all what? It's in our head. It's yeah. imagined. It's yeah. imagined. It's an imagined event. Yeah. Oh man, I think mommy and daddy are gonna get me a bike. Yeah. Or they're gonna give me that PlayStation game. Or I think I'm gonna get this for Christmas. It's all in our head, man. Yeah. It's imagined. Yeah. Right? I think of the disciples on the on the on the boat. Master, do you not care that we perish? How can you fall asleep? Yeah. There's all the there's winds are contrary, and Jesus is in there sleeping, dude. <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah. Right? No, no anxiety there. But in that instance, it's actually a conflation of fear, right? Yeah. A present and immediate storm. Yeah. They're, they're probably sinking. There's like, and there's like, dude, we're going to die. Yeah. We're going to die, dude. Yeah. We're yeah. about to die. Yeah. Right? So we have to understand that, you know, you know, when you start talking about anticipation, I, I, I give you that example because it's imagined, right? And then the same, in the same, uh, the, the, the same thing that can be said for the positive it can, it can be taken negative as well. Yeah. You know what? I got in trouble at school this week, and my birthday's tomorrow. Dude, I don't know if I'm going to get yeah. anything. Now it's, now it's moving from anticipation more of an anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Right? Dude, my mom and dad are stressed out, man. Dad lost his job and blah, 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 blah. And I don't know. If, I don't think we're going to have anything this yeah. this, this yeah. Christmas or whatever, whatever the case may be, you, right? You know, it's interesting, Josiah, that you bring up that illustration of like a kid with his birthday or something because – what ends up happening, right, is a lot of the stuff that does happen, these these imaginations, these stories we tell, mm -hmm. these things that happen to us when we're kids, we bring them with us forward in life. Oh, absolutely. So now this tricky triad that you're talking about, we're, especially with anxiety, we're creating stories that haven't happened yet. What's your definition? The, the fear, fear of the, fear that hasn't happened yet. The fear of the fear that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But we're going back on... On what we know. Yeah. What we experienced. Yeah, yeah. But it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So you're working with athletes, but again, there's nobody listening that hasn't doesn't wrestle with this. How do you help people? I read the book, so I, mm -hmm. I kind of know where you go with this, but how do you help people move away from there? How do you help athletes move away from that? There's all there's first of all, we have to define what, what they're going through. Like what, what is it that you're going through? What is it that you're fearful of? One of the things I always ask players, I'm like, man, what are you excited about? What are you concerned about? Right? What makes you angry? Because usually when you ask those three questions right there, you get a lot. You get a lot of What good are you stuff. excited about? Yep. What are you concerned what about? What are you concerned about? What are you angry? Yeah. And that's a good one to just, again, I mean, our that's audience, the... just like take a piece of paper later today yeah. and sit down and write out some of that. Yeah. Because you start tapping into the emotions. You start tapping into, you know, like extremes, right? And so to your question, how do you overcome that stuff? Um, you know, I have a, there's an acronym that I've been using for years. It's called BRASS, B-R-A-S-S. -S. Chapter three. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's it's one of those things. It's not not necessarily an exhaustive list, but it helps with this stuff. It helps, right? Mm -hmm. um, when, you, when you start talking about cognitive stress, um, anxiety, and fear, right? And so if you look at the, the history of brass knuckles, brass, right? And brass knuckles were initially used in Greco-Roman times. Uh, some would say, some historians and scholars would say, um, during the times of like you know the Colosseum when gladiators going back would, like two thousand oh, years yeah, yeah man gladiators would come out and and they would you know they would affix themselves with all these different weapons so that they could survive yeah. right during World War One and World War Two I believe they were actually given out as part of their military wares 
And so if you look, go and do some simple research, you'll find brass knuckles that have knives attached to them. It's crazy, yeah, right? For, yeah. Especially for hand-to-hand they're, combat. They're illegal. Yeah, they're illegal. Places. They're illegal in many countries, in many states. I found that yeah. myself. I've, I've gone through Considered airports. Considered a deadly weapon. Yeah. I've gone through airports and they're like, sir. And I'm like, what? And they're holding up my brass knuckles. I'm like, oh, crap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, they're like, you, you know, and they, t- they take them from me, right? Yeah. And I'm wait, like, wait, wait, wait. Time out. You carry around a pair of brass knuckles? I, not to fight, man. I know. There was a time where I was giving this talk so much, and then yeah, I would yeah, show they're, 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 you know, they're and I, I'd show yeah. the guys, and they'd be like, oh, this is awesome. They'd yeah. pass them around. I'm like, guys, make sure I get my brass knuckles back. The you TSA know? agent doesn't buy that. The, like, the, hey, the I'm TSA, using it for a speech. It, exactly. <laughs> The TSA agent was like, thanks, buddy. Good story. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, and so when you look at, bra- what, do, what do brass knuckles do? They yeah. concentrate the punching power by the person who's doing the work. That's uh-huh. what it does. And it disrupts and breaks tendons, bone, tissue. Like, that's what it does. Yeah. And so the, the acronym is, as you are fighting in this fight for clarity, right? It's a fight for clarity, a fight for peace. And this fight that you're having for tranquility and poise, you know, pull out the knuckles, man. Pull the knuckles out. Pull out the brass knuckles. And the first thing that you want to do is you want to breathe. That's B. Breathe. When you look at the human brain and the frontal lobe, which is in charge of innovation, strategic thinking, higher order operation, decision making, all of those things that happen in the frontal lobe, the frontal, the, your, the human brain has two primary nutrients that it must have for high, highest levels of, of functioning. Oxygen and glucose. When you were a child and you were mad, what did your mom tell you? Hey, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath, right? It was actually really good advice. It's, it's actually scientifically sound advice because the frontal lobe actually receives oxygen last. Oh. So when we're breathing for extended periods of time, now we're flooding our brain with the things that it needs to function at its highest. When we're not breathing, we become reactive and short. We don't Which think. is so interesting, isn't it? Because our bodies, nat- like with anxiety, mm-hmm. the, the body naturally starts taking like short breaths, right? It wants like to survive. Doing the, it's, it's doing the thing that it shouldn't be doing, right? Right. But you actually need to be taking deep breaths, which is the first part of this acronym. Breathe. Breathe. Like Breathe. Deep breaths. And- Breathing is the proverbial steering wheel, the brake, and the accelerator for any type of performance issue that you may be facing. And you're talking about because the, the frontal cortex of the brain, mm-hmm. which is where the emotions, right? Is that what's just, which again is like even even sometimes, and this is why this is such, this is such a great conversation for everyday life, not mm-hmm. just athletics. You know, you, someone says something to you and it just ticks you off yeah. and you're about to open your mouth and say something back. Yeah. Just take a deep breath first. I'm telling you, <laughs> right? man. So great advice. So, so yeah, you got to take a deep breath, man. I, I, I think of Dr. Viktor Frankl, and many people have read his book, Man's Search yeah. for Meaning. And Amazing Dr. book. Yes, and it really is. Dr. Viktor Frankl was part of the, uh, he was a, a, a prisoner mm-hmm. um, in Auschwitz, mm-hmm. um, you know, during the egregious things that happened during uh, Nazi Europe and during, mm-hmm. in Hitler's regime, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, some great insights, man. And I just, I believe that God puts certain people through certain situations to reveal certain truths that are lasting. Yeah. And I think that Dr. Victor Franco was one of those men and one of those people in, in history. And one of the things that he said that's so powerful, he said between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is our ability to choose. And in our choice lies growth and freedom. Now, what the heck does that have to do with breathing? Many times, 
something happens. Somebody cuts us off in the freeway. Somebody says something disrespectful to our family member. Sometimes our boss or people at work are just irritating us to no end. And so between that stimulus, we don't leave any room for space. So we become reactive. How could you do that? Why'd you cut me off? Man, screw this. Blah, 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 blah. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. And many of us don't allow for that space to take place. So we become reactors. Mm -hmm. But when we can take when we can do something as simple as breathing and stepping away, what we're doing is we're creating space between stimulus and response. There's a space. And wow. in that space wow. is our yeah. ability to choose. Yeah. Our ability to choose. Yeah. Now we have options. And in our choice lies growth and freedom. So breathing is so powerful. The art I don't know that you know this, but you just perfectly wove this whole conversation into really the core of what our, our No Gray Areas podcast is about. Because mm -hmm. we talk about the power and complexity of human choice. That mm -hmm. we make choices and eventually our choices awesome. make make us. That's so awesome. you just with that whole thing, you're like talking about how we do choice well. Yeah. And so no, yeah, that's perfect. awesome. Nice, nice yeah. work, just like hey thanks man. He didn't pay me guys. He didn't pay me for that. So so third the, one. The, <laughs> paid on the third one. So the R is reframe. Yeah. Right. You start talking about stress, fear, anxiety, yeah. the tricky triad. Yeah. You got to reframe and how you frame anything determines how you see anything. So I can have the crappiest, craziest looking picture ever. But if I buy a nice, expensive frame and put it around this this picture, yeah. it's going to be looking like a million Social bucks. Like a masterpiece. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if I have a if I have the best picture ever and yeah. if the, the frame is like cheap and it's falling off, like, dude, what, why are you hanging this on the wall, dude? Yeah. Framing is huge. So I tell athletes, instead of saying I can't do X or I can't do Y, what we, we need what we need to do is say I can do X when I do Y. I love this is the part of the book that really another part of the book that really stood out to me. Mm -hmm. Say that again. Instead of saying I can't do So I can't throw a fastball. I can't sink this free throw. Stop saying I can't. Stop saying that. What you need to do is say, I can sink this free throw when I get full extension. Yeah. I can barrel up I can hit this hit this curveball when I barrel it up. I can sink You're this reframing. punt. You're reframing. You're reframing. You're putting it in that million dollar frame. Yeah. Think, say, do. Think, say, do. Whatever you think, you're eventually going to say, and whatever you say, you're eventually going to do. Your words are so powerful because, and the reason why is because your words are the connective tissue between your thoughts and your action. And this goes back to what we talked about earlier. Our words, we have so much internal dialogue that I don't think a lot of people even realize. Like, again, I encourage our audience, start paying attention. Yeah to how much you're talking to yourself and you don't even realize it. Like it's yeah. just, you have on, all of us have ongoing dialogue all the 100%. time. But what you're saying is that's powerful. They're very powerful. Dr. Jason Selk, and he has a book called 10 Minute Toughness. I highly suggest you read it. It's one of the books that I first read when I got into, you know, sport and performance psychology. One of the things that he said in terms of the research was that the human, be uh, average human being has anywhere between 12 to 60,000 plus thoughts per day. And the majority of these thoughts are, are negative. negative. Yeah. So if you just reframe, you, you started it. training, this takes discipline though, doesn't it? I, I, 100%. I can do X when I do Y. Not if. I can do X when I do Y. And what you're doing is you're actually creating a problem solving, uh, you're, you're creating a problem solving situation and you're giving yourself a process oriented solution yeah. in that statement. I can do X when I do Y. Yeah.
I can get in shape when I do this. I can get an A when I do this. I can barrel it up when I do this. I can sink this free throw when I do this. Yeah. It's not a matter. You got. We have to change the frame, man. So good. You know. So good. Um, so that's the R. The the A stands for acknowledge. Sometimes one of the greatest things to do mm-hmm. with when it comes to stress, fear, and anxiety is to acknowledge that you you're dealing with it. Don't try to act like a tough guy, like or a tough girl. Like don't try. Like just acknowledge it. Yeah. Re- this is research, man. This isn't me making this stuff up. The simple. The simple fact that you acknowledge somebody acknowledges something is stressing them out actually reduces anxiety. Yeah, brings it down right away. Just saying it, just voicing. Just saying it yeah. because it, what it does is it defangs the lion mm. and it takes his claws away. It takes his claws and his teeth away. Mm. Oh, oh, you, you, you know, if you if you if you look at it right, I was going to give you an impersonation, but I'm not going to go do that. <laughs> but you know, you look at you look at you look at uh you look at um you know all of these shows right these reality TV yeah. shows right. Biggest Loser was a huge one for a long time. You have all these reality TV shows. There's always this element that's present in reality TV shows. One of the key characters is about, is about to have a breakdown. Mm-hmm. You know, yo, Johnny, what's going on, Johnny? Oh, I used to get made fun of when I was in the third grade by this person. Oh, Sally, what's going on, Sally? Oh, I have this fear. I have this fear of heights. And, and what do they do? They bring in Johnny's bully from grade school. You gotta face. You gotta face the person now who who's been giving you all this this stuff. What do they do? They take Sally up into a you know into a prop plane and they basically kick her off and make her parachute to yeah. face that fear to acknowledge. And what happens when these contestants face that fear? There's like a release. Yeah, like you said, a defanging. Almost. And it, yeah, it's yeah. like oh man. I didn't. I didn't I think didn't it was. Die. Yeah, I didn't die, and it wasn't that bad. And I gave this person way too much power. Yeah. You have to acknowledge that you're going through something. Yeah, yeah. And it takes Good. stress down. Good. Right? And anxiety, right? And the, the S the S stands for survey. So my breathing's right, right? My, my, my reframing is right. My words are right. I've acknowledged that I'm dealing with X, Y, and Z. The S stands for survey. Survey means to, to look around, to, to, to marry what could be with what actually is. What does a surveyor do? A surveyor, when they go to a new yeah. township, what are they doing? They're looking around, they're saying, okay, we can put a stoplight here, yeah. we can put an easement here, we can't put two lanes here because we have a lot of traffic at rush hour, and they're marrying what could be with what already is. And yeah. what and what yeah. happens What happens is when, uh, uh, when we don't survey the land, obviously I'm dealing with athletes here, but when an athlete doesn't know where his infielders are or his outfielders, when they don't know where the where the defense is coming from or where the you know the screen's coming from, you start playing with tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And it heightens stress, fear, and anxiety. It, it heightens anxiety because you don't know what's going on. And one of the things I tell, uh, I, I talk about in the book is that your brain has several cortical maps. You have a cortical map in your brain for everything that you do. Tying your shoe, riding a bike, right, driving a car. You have a cortical map for throwing a baseball. You have a cortical map for everything. Everything. And but, the, but when we've done some of those things many, many, many times, yes. we don't even realize we're following a map anymore. It's just like... Yeah, it's, it's, it's automatic. Yeah, it's just automatic. So when you survey... That what, was the sound effect of automatic. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And so when you survey, what happens is you actually you clarify the maps you know, if, okay. so so I'm going to give you an example. At home right now at your house, do you know where your bathroom is? Yeah. 
Okay. You know where your kitchen is. Yeah. Okay. You know where your back the, the backyard is. Yeah. You know where all three of those things are. Yeah. Okay. Now, power outage, two uh two AM, dark, power outage. You you're up and you need some water. I can get around pretty pr- pretty well. Do you know yeah. where your yeah. backyard is? Yeah. You yeah. know where your kitchen is. Yeah. You know where your bathroom is. Yeah. Why? How? I've just I've walked it many, many times. That's how our brains are. Our brains have done these things so many times that we know exactly where they are. Now, fast forward. Now you're on the road. You're yeah. in the you're in a nice hotel. Yeah. This has happened to me, by it, the way. I know exactly. Pa- pa- power outage. <laughs> yep. Do you know running in the wall, are, 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 stubbing are, are, your toe? Exactly. Yep. You're not getting around as easy. No. Nope. This is exactly what happens. Feeling the room out. Yeah. That's right. This is exactly what happens to athletes, high performers, anybody who um, is uh, struggling with stress, fear, or anxiety, and they have not taken the time to survey both cognitively and physically what is around them. Hmm. This is this is science, man. This is straight yeah, science yeah, right yeah, here. Yeah. Right. Well, if you look at every high level performer during a playoff game, uh, during during any type of like pivotal game or whatever, what are they doing the, the night before the day of? They're yeah. they're walking around the court, the field. Yeah. They're seeing what the gravel, the turf is looking like. They're seeing yeah. where the sun is. They're surveying. They're yeah. clarifying. V- visualizing a little bit. Right. Visualizing. Like visualizing the yeah, yeah yeah. So when you start talking about stress, fear, and anxiety, these things help to clarify those maps and when you do all of those things you breathe you reframe you acknowledge you survey everything slows down yeah you're able to create space between stimulus and response you're able to make really good decisions because now you're operating from a place of poise and a place of power instead of a place of confusion and chaos you know and the the, the language you just used which is so interesting because anybody who watches sports they know when they when they see someone who's playing really well, they talk about like the game slowed down for them, yeah. right? Yeah. The game slowed down for them. But again, taking this and adopting it to our, our everyday life, someone who's doing life well, mm-hmm. you get life to slow down. Like life's coming at us fast. It's like boom, yeah. boom, boom. But when you do these things in our everyday life, we're helping life slow down a little bit. We're creating that space to make the decision, right? right? And I would even argue, so because we use the term a lot, right? Oh, the, you know, it slows down. Sometimes... You know, when you start, because I've had some really intellectual conversations with people about this concept, and I use the term slow down in a, in a proverbial sense, but at the end of the day, a second is still a second. An hour is still an hour. A yep. minute is still a minute, right? But why does it slow down? Because now we're controlling the narrative. We're controlling what's going on, and the situation is not controlling us. So for, from a spiritual perspective, you know, you know, as men of faith, right? We are not physical beings having a spiritual experience on earth. Mm-hmm. We're not. Yeah, That's not what the Bible says. We are spiritual beings having a physical experience on earth. Yeah. We have to deal with time. Yeah. We have to deal with our, our, yeah. our, our decaying yeah. bodies. Yeah. We have to deal with sin and a broken world while we're here. We have to deal with that in time and space. Yeah. And But these things help us, right, um, to be able to do what God has called us to do on yeah, this earth. Yeah. So that's why I call it the tricky triad. And those three things help with so many of those things that you deal with when, when it comes to stress, fear, and anxiety. Yeah, man, Josiah, we could we could we could go on and on. I just I love every time I meet with you, I I, I get fired up, like I said, and uh, motivated and encouraged. I would just really again encourage our audience own the pieces. It's a great book. We're gonna do a giveaway with this awesome. one, by the way. I did not underline or mark anything. <laughs> I took a bunch of notes over on my computer, uh, but I wanted to make sure that this book, we could do a, a giveaway. How do people get a, a hold of you or connect with you? Uh, you know, I'm on, I'm on all the, the social media channels. I don't think I'm on TikTok. 
at the time of this recording, I don't think I'm on TikTok, but I, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on YouTube, I'm on uh, Twitter, um, all the major platforms, Instagram, so Josiah Igano or um, All Things Performance. Um, okay. you, you can, if you just do a simple search on any of those platforms for All Things Performance or um, Josiah Igano, I-G-O-N-O, you'll see all of my we'll, stuff. We'll have, we'll have oh, yeah. that uh, information in yeah. our description too, Absolutely. those links to that as well. Uh, just really quick, I know we talked about the first time you came, but I named our firstborn son Josiah. Yes. Uh, where, where'd yes. you? Uh, why'd your dad, your mom, give you that name? That's that's royalty, by the way. If yeah. our audience doesn't know. Yeah, man. So my mom and dad, all they named us after kings in the Bible. One of them was not necessarily a king, but uh, Josiah, David, Cyrus, uh, and Jacob. And you could you could argue that Jacob had kingly traits, oh, and you know, yeah, but, yeah, but that's yeah. you know that's yeah that's how it started, man. Wow, yeah, yeah. Josiah became one of my heroes, <laughs> which is why I named my son after him because he was one of the only good kings mm -hmm. in Israel's history, and even at a young age, he turned the entire nation back around, and he had a horrible father and grandfather. Yeah. You know this history, oh, yeah. so. I, that was one of the stories where I'm like, hey, whatever we inherited, whatever we were given, mm -hmm. that's not where the story needs to end. We can choose to change things, which is Amen. part of what we talked about today. Oh, yeah. But your kingly name, your your royalty name, Josiah, Yoshiahu. Yoshiahu, that's right. You yeah. told me that. And I yeah. went to go uh, look it up, and you, you're right, man. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So that's why we, my, my our nickname for our son is Yo. Yo. It's, it's short for Yoshiahu. That's awesome, <laughs> the man. The Hebrew form of Josiah. Yeah. But uh, I encourage people, go find uh, Josiah on social media, follow him. Uh, I've gotten a lot from it. You know, there was in September, you posted something and uh, adjustments are part of life. Such a simple mm -hmm. little phrase, but I don't know why that day, mm -hmm. it was like September 9th or something like that. Mm -hmm. Why that day, that just, it was like, Boom, I wrote that down mm -hmm. and I read it to myself for the next five or six days. So, I, you know, I'm just saying that because, again, our, our audience will get a lot if they mm -hmm. start following you. Appreciate you, you. You give some some great advice. So, all right, two truths and a lie. Oh, man. You were here before. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember if I figured it out the first time or not. I know I'm going to figure it out this time because you said you were going to just do it spur of the moment here. So yeah. let's see. All right. So, so uh, two truths and a lie. So, okay, here are my statements. Been married for eight years. Um, my doctorate is in, uh, performance psychology. And, uh, at one point in time, I had a 39.5 inch vertical. I know two is number two is true. And I know you are a good athlete. I'm going with the 39.5 inch vertical. And I think you've been married longer than eight years. So I'm going to say that one's the lie. Which one? The first one you you're, you've been married for eight years. That's a lie. You've been married longer than that. Haven't you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, man. Good, man. That's good. good. That's good, man. Yeah. All right. 14. 14, man. 14 years. So you you, you were it. a good athlete. I, yeah. I actually had the privilege of before we even knew each other. We met when I moved down here and you were working at Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Yeah. But I actually saw you play when you were playing for NAU. You were playing up in Montana, Montana. where I'm from, in Missoula, Montana. Oh, you were man. playing the Grizzlies. Tough place to play. And I, and I saw you on the field. You were a defensive back. You also played for ASU. Yeah. So... That's why I didn't doubt that she had a 39.5 inch oh, vertical. I was, I was an average athlete or to below average, depending on who you ask. Um, and, and if my teammates were on the on the podcast, they would they would all say below average. Give me, <laughs> give me crap. But yeah, man. That, if you made hey, it to that level, hey, you're above average. I tell you Come what, on. I tell you what, man. That was one of the most in top, I would say top two craziest environments I've ever been in in my life yeah. in Missoula. That was crazy. People don't people don't know because it's skin. It's, it's crazy. Know, it's a small town. But it's in a pit, and there'll be 
25,000 people there, you know, for a school that size, yeah. that's a lot of people. And none of them are kind and courteous as they weren't to you that day. I mean, I had little kids flipping me off. You know, I know. what I mean? I was I about was... to fight. This whole stuff that we're talking about right now, you know, between stimulus and response, I had no space. There was no space. I had well, negative space. You know I, that was saying? the first time I ever saw you. That was the one. I caught you the one time where you were too. Oh, as we all do, right? Uh, I caught you in the one day because, yeah, oh, man. I think you got kicked out of that game, didn't you? I did. I got ejected from that game. Yeah. I got ejected from that game because, you know. You know what? I'm a Montana fan. The guy was holding you. I just I right. lost it, he was. He kept holding yeah. you. I did. I saw it firsthand. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt on that one. So, and then you, then you lost it and took it down. Apparently, I but yeah, as, there, as you're coming down the tunnel after you got kicked yeah. out, I'm watching. Yeah. I'm sitting there and I'm watching these <laughs> eight year old kids flipping you off, and their dads are like, "Good job, son." Yeah, and that's yeah, the yeah, kind yeah, of crowd yeah, they yeah. have there. Oh man, that was brutal, man. <laughs> and we lost, and we lost that game too. Man, of course you did. Of course you did that. Oh, well, Josiah, thanks so much, man. I appreciate, appreciate you. you. Uh, I appreciate our friendship. Like I said, we don't see each other often, but when we yeah. do, man, I am motivated and encouraged. So I appreciate we'll you. We'll have you back, and next time we gotta we gotta slip you a check to get you. No, back no, 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 no. I appreciate you. Thank All right, you. thanks, man. All right. What a powerful conversation that was with Josiah. So many nuggets of truth that we can hold on to after this episode. We hope this episode inspired you. And if you want to connect with Josiah, we'll leave his contact info in the description below. Be sure to enter our giveaway on our Instagram account for a chance to win his new book, Own the Pieces. We'll see you next time on the No Gray Areas podcast. Mm -hmm.